0: Hey, it's Lacey Broussard and this is the Multi-Orgasmic Mama podcast. From sex and motherhood, birth and relationships, communication and intimacy building, and Taoism and Tantra, we explore topics such as self-care, self-pleasure, body image, jadex, the feminine cycles, creativity in business, and modern spirituality. The Multi-Orgasmic Mama is a place to come for true stories and transformational advice on how to be a mama and a multi-orgasmic woman too. Today we have on Dr. Sarah Kahn. She is a clinical psychologist, a psychotherapist. Hey, Sarah, how you doing?
1: I'm good. How are you? I'm awesome. I'm so excited to have
0: you on today. Today, we're going to be talking a lot about being empathic, sensitive women, just like myself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know what? I have a feeling that if you're listening to this podcast, then you probably are too. So... I think it's going to be a benefit to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Sarah, tell us a little bit about yourself, Who, uh, what you do, and who you work for.
1: Well, um, just one thing to clarify, just so I'm not in trouble with the Board of Psychology, I am not technically a psychologist because I'm not licensed. I am, however, a doctor of clinical psychology. So just throwing that out there. Um, <laughs> And I chose not to go the traditional route for a reason. But that's another story. So I am an empathic, highly sensitive woman. (laughs) And um, my healing journey has taken me all over the place. And I've tried just about everything under the sun at this point, too, because traditional healing modalities don't work for me and so i have undergone tons and tons of tons of my own research and exploration and so that's part of why i'm here and doing this and and um, in graduate school i was actually learning i was what was i doing i was planning on doing my dissertation on spirituality and sexuality but then it got too big and then my uh, boyfriend at the time, now my husband, uh, came across this, this random article about people who are really sensitive and not being able to sleep at night because I've always had issues sleeping. And then he, it, then I read that article and it led me down the rabbit hole to Elaine Aaron, who um, coined the term the highly sensitive person. And she's the one who's kind of at the forefront of, of, of um, teaching about highly sensitive people. And then I went into further investigation and realized I'm not only highly sensitive, I'm also an empath. And so that's like highly sensitive on crack. Like it's like the far reaching people. <laughs> Cause I was like, what is going on here? And while I've always kind of had a sense, it was really nice to have clarity around it. And so that became a specialty area for me um, because of my own learning. So I work with people that are highly sensitive and empathic and are, my, and are dealing with a lot of trauma or really ready for a massive life change. Um, I am a catalyst. It's, it's the energy that I bring. And so people who come into work with me or into my space or into my life even, their lives start shifting rapidly. And so i found that people can streamline their healing process with me and make it go a lot faster. However, that also means it's more intense. (laughs) So, so there's no like, let's just tiptoe around the, you know, the issue. I kind of go straight, straight to it. And while I'm extremely sensitive and empathic, I'm also a straight shooter and I don't believe in wasting time. So, um, I don't want people to be seeing me for years and years and years because I just don't. I don't want to waste their time or mine, frankly, because when you're ready, you're ready. And so that's that's kind of who I like to work with is who are really ready because it's it's been uh, uh, an area of comfort for me, I guess. Uh, my mom did a lot of work with, um, and she still does, works with women empowerment groups and she leads. He's a leader in this organization for it. And I was involved with that for a number of years. And, um, yeah, just working with women seems to be, be an easy fit for me. And eventually at some point I'd like to work with more men. I have worked with a number of them, but, um, right now this is my time for women because it's, it's about exploring my own womanhood and owning my femininity more, um, which has been a challenge for me. So I am healing that and working through that. And the more more I find connection with my own divine feminine essence, the more powerful I feel. And then I'm just so invigorated that I have to share it with everybody. (laughs) So I just want to help all women – Get out of the rut that I was in for so long and this push, 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 have to do it this masculine driven way, but making ourselves sick, especially as empaths. Cause we can't, we can't function like the average person and be okay. You know, just kind of go, go, go without pausing and taking care of ourselves is, is a disaster waiting to happen.
0: Yeah. I think that's why I could never do the nine to five job thing.
1: (laughs) Yeah. the few times I've tried,
0: I just realized that there's no way I can maintain this lifestyle. Like it, I am way too sensitive
1: Mm -hmm.
0: to be able to handle that. Type of life uh, where you're just constantly going and not processing. <laughs> I need time to
1: process things. So, yeah, it's a little interesting. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm exactly the same way, which I'm, it was like, yeah, I'm going to go even more non traditional than I already am. So, yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. So, I'm yeah. curious now, when we talked earlier, we talked about how you do a lot of work on shadow pieces of yes. Yourself. So, let's talk about that. What is that? How do you see that come up and the women that you help and what's going on with that?
1: All right. So the shadow, the shadow is this kind of universal archetype. So if you think of the archetype of, there's many different archetypes for women, right? There's like the mother, which we kind of have a sense of what the mother is like. And we have a sense of what a princess is like, or a queen or something else like that. So the shadow is another universal archetype that we all can connect with and we all have within us. And it basically comes down to all of the things you don't want to look at. You don't want to acknowledge you don't like about yourself or the things that you judge other people for. Um, So it's, it's all of that. It's all of the things that we just really don't want to yeah look at deal with experience, and for some people, that looks like their emotions because they were taught as a child they were not allowed to experience them or feel certain ones, and for women you know especially that's anger because we are so shamed for being angry
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, for you know it's our our judgments it's it's our shame. It's, you know, what's in the shadow is even some things that are amazing about who we are. So for instance, you know, I'll share a little bit about my, my shadow that I, I discovered. (laughs) Um, So I, I mean, I was in the darkness for a long time. So let's, you know, I'll just own that because I was, I was just struggling to kind of get a sense of who I am and what was going on. And so I was just in depression land for a very long time, which is not unusual for empaths who are not um, in places in their lives or in relationships that are healthy for them, that we often just take it on ourselves and we feel everything and um, we just take ourselves down because we don't want to hurt anyone else around us, right? Mm -hmm. And so... What I discovered that was hidden in my shadow was actually this really excited, adventurous, um, very energetic essence of me because my, I don't know. I don't know when it was exactly, but growing up, I was kind of told I was too much. Which again is a normal thing for highly sensitive people, right? Like they were told too much, yeah, too much, too (laughs) intense, too emotional, too whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so this vibrancy and excitement for life that I just had inside of me, I shoved to the, I shoved behind me into my shadow, Mm -hmm. and so I lost that. And I didn't lose it. I just kind of didn't realize I, I didn't know where it went, but that that excitement and curiosity and joy for life. And, um, also just the adventurousness because I, I like to push boundaries and take risks. And I, I just suppressed that for so long. So when I finally befriended and was able to love my shadow and instead of holding it behind me, I, I had it I, you know, change. And so my shadow is right next to me. It is my partner in life. (laughs) So I can use that energy. Then instead of suppressing all of this stuff, I use it to drive what I'm doing. And now I'm like, I'm owning who I am in big ways now. And it feels so good. It's so good. Yeah. (laughs) And then when we stop like, feeling ashamed of our shadow or these desires that we have, if we're going to go, you know, you know, veer into the the land of sexuality Mm
0: -hmm.
1: that, you know, those, there's so many desires that we might have or feelings that we have around sexuality that we keep hidden in our shadow. We keep in the darkness because we don't want to acknowledge what we want or what we're curious about. But if we are able to connect with and acknowledge our shadow and all of who we are without any shame that' is just another part of us, imagine how freeing that is. you know? Well, yeah. just let go. <laughs> and yeah. So shows up and oh sorry.
0: That's OK. One place that that shows up in sexuality a lot is fantasy, right? Yes. Yes. And how does that tend to play out with most people? Do you ever go into this with clients?
1: Um, I have on occasion, normally we're dealing with just kind of basic life stuff on um, you know, getting their life together and functional. So sexuality is kind of like the last thing that we could go there with. Mm-hmm. Um but I have worked with a number of clients around their um, curiosities and their desires. And because I don't come from a place of judgment, that they're just able to open up and talk about them, I think that's the biggest thing is that whoever you're talking to, you can kind of get a sense if it's safe or not. Right. right. And so. You know, no matter who we're with, whether we're even just looking at ourselves or with a partner that we have it we have to make it safe and so sometimes that means that we have to do the work and develop the emotional intimacy around everything except sexuality, so that way then it's it creates that safe space for sexuality to come in because in our culture it's such a it's such an area of repression and of secrecy and there's so much shame around it that it's really highly charged. And so going into something that is that scary and emotionally intense, like you have to develop that safety first. Yeah. And for empaths, that's even more so like The average person has a hard time talking about sex. So then you're talking, if you, you know, take it further and go to empaths, sex for us is like this magical, wonderful, like, uh, otherworldly experience, right? Mm -hmm. And so then – or it can be. Yeah. And that's often what we crave. Mm -hmm. But then trying to explain that to someone else or find that connection – It's not really possible if you don't have that safety established. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Well, I'm wondering what do you highlight sensitive, empathic people struggle with the most in sex love relationships?
1: Honesty. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) I can see
0: that. Yeah, being someone who is, yeah. I think um, honesty about what you really desire is so difficult. Mm-hmm.
1: Or what you feel. Yeah. Because, I mean, my, my dissertation was um, looking at this for highly sensitive women. This is what I kind of I studied. And the women that I interviewed, they felt like, they couldn't be honest with their partners around when they got turned off all of a sudden because it could be a thought it could be a smell it could be a sound something that that shifted their focus and then they're like i don't i don't know how to get back hmm. to you know where i was yeah um and because we pick up so much in the environment or or with our partner, if we've sent something with our partner and we don't talk about it or ask about it, then we can get totally derailed. So having open, honest, clear communication before, during, and after the process is crucial for, again, the emotional safety. I will, I cannot emphasize this enough. There has to be the safety there. And so that then make space for honesty and it makes space for those moments where you're you know you're kind of in the middle of things and your partner does something you're like eek I that triggered something or I really don't like what you're doing and there's got to be a way that you can communicate to um relay that to your partner but without you know hitting them with a two by four basically. Right. You don't, know, you don't want to just be like, Oh my gosh, that sucks. Stop, stop, stop. But you'd be like, Hey, you know, maybe we could try something else or Hey, look like that. Just, I mean, maybe it is that you just say, Whoa, that just triggered me. Like, and it's nothing you did, but it's my, where I'm at right now. Can we switch gears for a second? Reconnect. And then we can, then we can go back. Right.
0: Yeah. And what would happen then if we come to a place of being able to communicate because we do feel safe mm-hmm. and then it's not received well?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's, that's huge yes.
0: because that's happened quite often in my experiences. And yes. It uh, doesn't go well. It has not gone well at certain times. So I'm curious what you have to say about that.
1: Well, I don't know if I've experienced it going well either all that much. Um, but my story is a little more complicated. We're not going to go there. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, we don't the whole story. I'm just wondering what. Can yes, you do? but what you but what you can do is first acknowledge yourself. First acknowledge how you feel and how you can support yourself and love yourself a little bit more. And saying, "I'm having one of these really intense, vulnerable." kind of ouch moments (laughs) you like my you like my technical terms um it's just um it's just this moment of intense hurt and possibly rejection and isolation and this feeling again like ooh no one understands me no one gets it you know, because that's something that I find is a common theme with empaths in general is like our experience is not understood or, I don't know, it's it's hard to tap into. Well, yeah. I mean, I think I've
0: lived 90% of my life feeling like nobody understands me. I'm way too much for people and everything I say, people don't get or they miss construe it and make it mean something that I didn't intend for it to mean or you know like all of those things and I think that's so common for us
1: yes it is people so yes
0: how do we deal how do we maintain especially long-term relationships and have the honesty that's needed to maintain the the relationship Mm -hmm. and then not completely feel rejected or misunderstood 90% of the fucking time (laughs)
1: Yes. Well, (laughs) okay. So, so let me go back to this. So first it comes down to us and working with ourselves. And so it comes down to loving ourselves as much as we can in the moment. Mm -hmm. And this is where I find spiritual practice really helpful and getting a sense of, um, I mean, I, my, who did, who told me this one? One of my spiritual teachers and yoga teachers, actually, she Introduce this breath to me that is now a core component of what I do. Mm-hmm. It's when you breathe in, you, you're breathing in the love of your higher self. So this, so the, the most loving and compassionate and all-knowing aspect of yourself, you breathe that in. And then on the exhale, you imagine that love just kind of giving you a big hug. So it's, it's a way to self-soothe in the moment. So that's the first step is you sell, is you handle yourself and you take care of yourself. And then in the next moment, when you are able, you acknowledge that that person that you are with has their own experience that they may or may not be even able to articulate to you. And their reality is their stuff. And it has nothing to do with you most of the time, but we, you know, in any relationship, we are mirrors for each other. Not that, you know, it's not the whole you spot it, you got it thing, because that's totally outdated and not, not true. But it's, it's, they, our partners offer us the opportunity to see ourselves more clearly and to see what, we, what needs healing for us. And so in those moments where we feel really rejected or we feel really misunderstood, how often are you spending time with yourself to understand what's going on first right. instead of expecting it from a partner? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the big thing, right? Is mm-hmm. We might be doing a lot of introspection, but how much of it is focused on other people versus our relationship with ourselves?
0: Yeah. And oftentimes yeah. we spend so much time over analyzing or thinking about and coddling their experience that we forget to even process and become clear of our own.
1: Yes. Maybe
0: that's where a lot of the feeling like we're totally misunderstood all the time comes from.
1: Yeah. Because it there is that romanticized version of this perfect ideal partner that understands me better than I understand myself, which is bullshit. Right. And really, it, it comes down to, you know, that old saying, you got to love yourself before you can really truly love someone else. And as hard as that is to own up to at sometimes, it is the reality.
0: Well, and I would add to that to know yourself. Yes. You can be known truly by someone else
1: too. Yes, I totally agree. 100%. Yeah. yeah. And if we don't take that t- time to do that and really sit with our stuff and maybe it's sitting with our stuff with someone else to help us process it. Cause I think that's really important. We can't do this healing work alone. Um, that's where it's really helpful to have, you know, either a coach or a therapist that is an empath and that understands more. So what your experience is like, mm-hmm. but it's also where it's really important to have Other women and friends in your life that are also empaths. So you can go and process with them and not expect your partner to always be there for you.
0: Right. Oh, God, I've had to do so
1: much of that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I don't know what I do with that.
0: sensitive sisters
1: yeah they're they're priceless they they have saved me time and time again as well oh my
0: god (laughs) tell me about it honey oh yeah okay yeah but um what is really interesting here is that yes you have to own your shit you have to come to a place of clarity of your yeah going on in your own inner world Yes. Which is so hard to do, like I, I mentioned, because yes. we're so focused on what someone else is feeling that mm-hmm. we often don't think about what we're feeling or what's going on inside of us, okay? There's that whole piece. Yes. And then there's this other piece where sometimes the men that we choose to be with, or women, if, if that's how you roll, um, they are just not capable and equipped to hold us and no, in they're place. not. Right. And, and, and that's where I've worked with, um, women to gain relationship clarity because sometimes at like, it is never my goal to keep a couple together. Um, but it is my goal to help them get clear on whether or not this, they should really be with this person or not. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, and sometimes it's just, it's a no. And the, and some people are not equipped to handle and really be there to support highly sensitive empathic women.
1: Yes, totally true. Totally true. And, and that's a bummer. I mean, it is like, let's, let's be honest. It's a bummer. Mm. But if you, you know, based on what Elaine Aaron found in her research, 20%, 15 to 20% of the population Across genders and even across species. So we're talking animal population too has highly sensitive traits. Hmm. So 20%, you know, if we're going to go the max, 20% of the population are highly sensitive. That includes men. So that can, you know, there are potential partners out there who are also highly sensitive. However, you also get into then the challenge if you're both highly sensitive it can be, it can oh be a hot mess sometimes, <laughs> <laughs> or it can be really amazing because you really understand each other, but you're not going to push each other so much unless, unless one of them is a little bit more outgoing or more sensation-seeking, then they will challenge the other one to get outside their comfort zone a little more, but that's where pairing with someone who's not sensitive can actually be an asset because they provide like a barrier between you and the rest of the world. They can tone down the intensity that you're picking up on Mm. as you navigate. But it also means you, this is about the know yourself better. Mm. You have to know yourself really well and then be able to very clearly articulate it and communicate it to your partner, what your needs are, what your experience is. And Say it in a way that's not um, separating you as much. Like if there's no better or worse, it's just who I am. This is what I need. This is what it looks like. Are you able to do this? They could say yes and not actually be able to, but you can kind of get a sense when you bring up conversations outside of the bedroom, like do this beforehand, especially if you're talking about when you're connecting sexually, get Emotionally connected first, make sure that they can even connect emotionally with you before you take it to a sexual place. Unless for some reason you can totally shut it off, but in general, most empaths we cannot and it causes us a lot of damage if we are not emotionally supported during sex because mm-hmm. those go hand in hand because okay. it 's like it 's such a deeper way of relating,
0: yeah, well, what if you 're emotionally supported and sex, but it 's really hard when it 's not intimate because I think that happens a lot too
1: yes, well, because well in this is the broad generalization, so let 's just be clear here mm-hmm. that i 'm not talking about all men, right. but in general, men learn have been taught and trained that sexuality is the only safe place where they can be emotionally intimate Mm -hmm. and so it's about practicing that outside of the bedroom as much as possible and so it's about you know it's about us holding space for them Mm -hmm. and saying and being okay with them being vulnerable and crying too and whatever we need to do we also need to allow that to for them because oftentimes we are saying we want someone who's emotionally attuned, but when they get there, we don't actually want to be present with it. So we need to walk the talk and be like, okay, it may be intense for me to hold space for you, but I'm going to, because I said I would. Yeah. But you need to take care of yourself at the same time. And so it means, you know, giving yourself that loving breath and remembering that you're protected. And then, um, remembering that whatever they are feeling is their stuff it's not yours and it's not yours to carry it's not yours to take care of you can be present but it is not yours yeah and i think that is where things get messy is we feel like we need to fix stuff but it's not ours to fix
0: Oh, that's so common for <laughs> yeah. especially for men. They want to fix everything, which is so cute and sexy. But at the same time, it's like, so, dude, it's like sometimes I just need to talk because I, need- I, not because I need you to fix the problem. Like I just need to, I need you to hold space.
1: <laughs> yes. Yes. And so we have to teach them and talk about that, mm-hmm. what we need and, and why it's important. Yeah. Because if we don't explain the rationale behind it, then they're not going to understand either. Right. And then it's, it's empowering for us.
0: Yeah. I have a bunch of uh, communication tools. There's nine different communication tools that I'll give to a client or a couple that comes to me in coaching. Um, and I call them holding space training.
1: Yeah. <laughs> nice. Where,
0: uh, you know, if a couple, well, all couples struggle with it because none of us were really brought up in homes where, I mean, I guess a few people are, but The majority of people have not been brought up in homes where there have been a couple or the parental roles, you know, haven't been really great examples of great communication and learning when it's okay um, to react. And, you know, when, at what point should you reply or make a remark? And what time should you just shut the fuck up?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, and, you know, and generally speaking, if, if it starts getting really heated, that is time for a break. Mm-hmm. And giving break and giving space <laughs> when someone is really angry is actually the most loving thing you can do. Yeah. Yeah. For both of you. So that way it doesn't um, escalate. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. But then there has to be an agreement to come back together and talk about it once it's yeah, calmer them. waters. Yeah. yeah. Because that and doesn't work either. No, no. Ignoring things and shoving it down in you know into a drawer or closet or into the shadow again doesn't work because it will come out sideways. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> yeah. And uh, even if it mm, ruins the relationship, guess what? You're gonna get it again in the next one.
1: Yep. So you gotta <laughs> you, you gotta learn it. You gotta learn it one way or another. Totally. No, no fucking kidding.
0: <laughs> nice. Mm-hmm. Well, that's been super enlightening. Do you have any last words or thoughts about um, how to help um, highly sensitive, empathic women navigate sexuality and relationships?
1: I think what's really important is that we give ourselves permission to experiment and to try things out. And even if it's, we're even if it's alone, I think, especially alone, get comfortable with it with yourself first, and then be open to exploring with a partner different things. And you know, maybe it's turning on some music and dancing naked, and just feeling your body, or or trying out you know toys, or you know whatever it is. I don't, I don't really care, but stretching your own comfort zone for yourself, so that way you can really learn where your own boundaries are and where there are areas that. It's probably helpful to explore and push yourself a little bit because, you know, being vulnerable is a strength. Being outside of our comfort zone is how we grow. It's how we develop and how we transform and how we get more intimate in our relationships. Because if intimacy really is about showing up naked, emotionally, you know, in all ways and connecting with another person who's also in that same space. And so it's risky no matter what. There's always a chance for rejection or um, hurt in some way. And so acknowledging that it's going to be uncomfortable, but that's where the good stuff is. You know, it's it's not going past into pain necessarily. Although we can learn from that, and that's again a different thing that we can talk about another time. But it's about learning what true intimacy looks like for yourself and finding your own sense of freedom within you and, and, you know, looking at the shadow where um, our society and culture have been really shaming us and repressing us and, and seeing it for what it is. It's a way to control instead of free us and, and, and really live in this place of love that we are so capable of. so yeah so my my words of wisdom is explore try stuff out really get clear with yourself get really honest and be brave and be brave to be fully who you are and show up fully how you are and then grow and expand beyond that because you are way more than you can even imagine
0: yeah that's beautiful thanks for sharing (laughs) you're welcome And last question, what one tip or trick can you give on becoming a multi orgasmic mama? Oh,
1: I think it's you got to let go. And that's the hardest thing. You got to let go of expectations. You got to let go of wanting to be multi orgasmic and just let it happen if it happens and don't fight it. I think it's about letting go of the mind it's letting go of the body it's letting go of all of these restraints that we've put on ourselves and being truly in the present and in the experience so true. and it takes a lot yeah
0: <laughs> so much easier said than done though <laughs>
1: totally it's so easy to talk about and really challenging to do oh, but yeah <laughs> but at least we can like aspire to that more every day
0: I love it thank you so much
1: you are so welcome thank you for having me all right Sarah bye bye